Hey everybody, Jeff Johnson, Jeff Linder, KJ Pilcher, and that's in no particular order here for, uh, I guess, a final edition of the Prep Huddle Prep Football Podcast. This is it. I'll, I'd continue to sing the Kenny Loggins song, but nobody wants to hear that. So, um, and it's outdated, right? You remember that from the old 70s basketball? They played yep. on, on CBS or 80? NBC. It's the uh, Al McGuire, Billy Packer days, wasn't it? That's right. That's right. I think back when uh, Iowa made it to the Final Four, whenever that was, the Ronnie Lester years and all that. So, KJ, Jack, you're up. You weren't even born then. So, back when, uh, if you got to see Iowa basketball on TV three times a season, you could uh, count yourself lucky. Exactly. You had to listen to the radio. The Goose, Ron Gardner. I was born, but I was very young. I was still playing with cardboard boxes and rocks instead of watching TV. So, but at any rate, we have a championship, what Thursday and Friday this week. So uh, why don't we just dump right in, jump right into, um, to the action uh, guys. I guess we've got, um, it starts bright and early tomorrow morning, right? With uh, eight player, uh, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Valley, 12-0, and 0, and uh, Cumberland and Nina Messina, otherwise known as Cam, uh, at 12-0. and 0. And uh, any predictions? What, do you, what are your thoughts, I guess, on, on the eight-player game? It's two undefeated teams, I think, looking both for their, for their first state title, right? Is it their first uh, championship appearance, too, for both? I believe so. No, nah, I, I wasn't sure what – what is uh, Easton Valley? Is it Preston and Miles or East? Let's see. Preston and the old East Central, right, Lindy? East Central. Did uh, either of those programs? Any of those programs make it before? 89 or 90. Is that right? Okay. I think it's Gotcha. But definitely for Cam. Boy, uh, Cam looked really good against Audubon. Okay. Yeah, 100%. Um, Easton Valley had a little tougher time in its semifinal, but survived Remsen St. Mary's. Uh, watched quite a bit of that. That was that was a pretty good pretty good football game, I thought. So, <clears throat> um, I don't know. I'm picking Cam here. I don't know why. Uh, I guess they've, they've been, what, number one in our poll for a long time. Um, wire to wire. Wire to wire. There you go. So I think the first poll, I don't think anybody had a number one, but everybody had them high enough that uh, they were consensus number one. Very good. Um, um, the one thing that really kind of stands out is uh, numbers wise. Um, I always, I don't know. I always get attracted to numbers for some reason, but when you look at uh, what, what those two teams have done, they're very similar this year. As far as uh, you know, Cam putting up about sixty-four point uh, seven points a game, and Easton Valley's at sixty-one point seven. Then you look at how much they they give up. Uh, Cam's at fifty-four point or fifteen point four. Uh, Easton Valley at fifteen point one. So stat-wise, uh, it, it looks like a or numbers-wise, it looks like a game that uh, uh, both teams are. Are really close as far as production, but then you look at who have they, 
who have they played in the tougher schedule and kind of have to lean towards Cam there, I would, I would think. Totally agree. All right, so we're all picking Cam, which means Easton Valley will be your class eight player <laughs> state champion. Uh, let's move. Pictures will be put up on the Easton Valley uh, locker room. Exactly, exactly, as motivation. We just yeah. wanted to prove all you naysayers wrong, so nobody gave us a chance. Nobody gave us a chance. So, That's right. uh, Class A, 1 o'clock on Thursday. Uh, Grundy Center, 11-1, and, and West Hancock, 12-0. and And KJ, you were the one that uh, saw West Hancock uh, up close and personal last week, right? So uh, yeah. just do what they do, right? Power football. It's uh... – they they have a real strong rush attack as they always do. Um, you know that was a that was a game that uh, you know East Buck was right there with them through the first half. I think it was seven zero going into uh, the break, and then they they just pounded the ball after that. Matt Francis uh, is a workhorse for them. Uh, he had three touchdowns in that game. You know what's coming. Uh, it was kind of interesting asking Jerry Alden, you know, what was the difference during the second half? And he said, if you can figure it out, you let me know because we couldn't uh, – we, we couldn't uh, find the answers. So uh, I, I think these are the two top teams all year long. Um, just been waiting for them to to cross paths here, and, and it's fitting that it's in the championship game. But um, Grundy Center is a little more versatile, I think. But boy, West Hancock is as tough and, and gritty as they come. They're going to run the ball and play tough defense. Um, but uh, I might let you guys make the first pick here um, between the two. Jeff Linder, um, Grundy Center has given up 52 points all season. West Hancock, 44 points all season. So the first team to score wins, right? I think it's going to be about a 12 to 8 game. I think, you know, if, if you're into over-unders or something like that, I think if you took under on 20, you might, uh, you might be in pretty good shape. Um, I've had Grundy Center. I, I started the season with Grundy Center number one. I'll just uh, because I'm kind of a stubborn meal. I'm going to stay with them uh, to win it uh, this weekend. Grundy Center's only lost 13-10 way back in week two of the regular season to Tyke New Hartford, which was a, uh, what, a semifinalist in, in 1A. Um, so, uh, boy. And Grundy Center was in last year's finals, lost to Regina. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go West Hancock just to make Pilcher be the tiebreaker here. Oh, you think? No, now the pressure's on. See, I should pick first. Um, boy, you know I watched both of them. Uh, you know, I was watching Granny Center while I was writing the East Buchanan West Hancock story. Uh, heads, we'll go with West Hancock. All right. There we go. Um, class 1A at 4 o'clock on Thursday afternoon at the Unity Dome. West Sioux 11-1 and Van Meter 12-0. Can anybody beat Van Meter? Uh, we'll start with Jeff Linder. What's your answer? 
Well, if anybody's going to do it, West, it would be, you know, on the short list of teams that, that had a chance to do it. Um, meters just a juggernaut. Uh, saw them against Beckman. Uh, Beckman played very well in the second half of that game, but uh, by then it was, it was 28-7 at halftime, and that's how it ended up. Um, you know, West Sioux, you know, they're, uh, they beat Dyke in the, in the, uh, in overtime, right? Double overtime in the other game. Is that correct? Yeah. So, um, I, I, I still, uh, I still like Van Meter to win it all. Um, probably by not quite the margin that, uh, I would have guessed earlier. Maybe, you know, by a touchdown or two. KJ, um, does West Sioux have a chance? <laughs> I I say no. I mean, Van. You you look at teams uh, that Van Meter um, has beaten along the way, and you know they've been, you know exactly. Uh, you know they've been the top team all year long. Um, you know, Diversville Beckman played them very well, but you know. Uh, Van Meter has wins over Williamsburg. They have wins over Winterset. Um, you know, they defeated Diversville Beckman. Uh, you know, it was 21 point win, but you know, I don't know if Beckman really threatened them much at all. Um, you know, I just think uh, Van Meter is the best team in this class and. Um, will be until somebody knocks them off. And I don't see that being West Sioux uh, this week. 82 kids on the Van Meter roster for a Class 1A school. Uh, that's unbelievable to me. And it kind of yeah. spe speaks to what's going on there uh, at that school. And I was going to say 82 young men, but it's 82 young men and women. Because Katie Lindsay is a sophomore kicker who has an extra, who has a 27-yard field goal and 71 extra points this season for Van Meter. So, uh, you go, Katie. Those, those extra point kicks that she made in the dome, those were little dribblers that just got over the crossbar. Those kicks that she made were at the top of the, the goalposts. And she's, she's got a legitimate leg. I think she's probably... I think if, she, if they need a, a field goal on her, I think she's probably good to, you know, 35 yards out. Uh, wow. she's, she, she's a good, good kicker. And I think she's only a sophomore. Yeah, and, and uh, I was looking at her soccer stats, and she only had two goals last year as a freshman for the, the Van Meter soccer team. So, um, you know, that, that doesn't mean anything, but uh, – Boy, she, she's got she's got a powerful leg. Maybe she's like a defensive uh, player. Uh, I'm going with Ben. No, that's that's excellent stuff. Um, I can't wait to see her kick <laughs> tomorrow afternoon. Uh, it's not, it's she's not, not handle the uh, the kickoffs. They've got another guy that, that does that, but okay. uh, she's very accurate uh, on her extra points. West Sioux is kind of a, a junior laden team really guys so i think they'll be back in this situation when you look at the quarterbacks a junior um you know the running backs a junior uh the leading receiver uh one of them is is a junior so i think uh west Sioux might get its turn next year but uh i'm going with with van meter here to uh to complete the perfect season 
Um, let's go then for the seven o'clock game tomorrow night, class four, a state championship, Lewis central council bluffs, 10 and two Cedar Rapids, Xavier, 11 and one. Um, first glance, just by the record, Xavier's favored, but are they, or should they be? Um, um, you know, again, me being, uh, you know, kind of stuck in my ways. I had Lewis Central number one to start the season. I, I'll, I'm going to stick with that. Although, you know, it sure wouldn't surprise me um, if Xavier would win the game. I, I just think Lewis Central might have a little bit more firepower. KJ, Lewis Central's losses were to Harlan by seven in the opener, 36-29. And then over uh, to Indianola in week four, 14-9. That was avenged. Uh, in the quarterfinals, 35-21 win for Lewis Central over Indianola. I know we've talked kind of uh, off the the podcast, Mike and Camera here, uh, that you think Lewis Central will give Xavier trouble because it is a little more diverse offensively and has the ability to pass. Uh, you want to expound on that, I guess, a little bit? Yeah, I, you know, watching uh, uh, Braylon uh, uh, – Comrade uh, performed against Waverly Shell Rock. I mean, he threw for 200 yards, um, a couple scores, and, and he was extremely accurate in that game. Of course, that's the first time I've seen him, but, you know, he's completed 62.8% of his passes for 2,300, uh, almost 2,400 yards, 23 touchdowns, and just four interceptions. Um, you know, they, they do have. Uh, the ability to run the ball. They've run, you know, they've run for almost 2,200 yards um, led by Jonathan Humple. But I, I just think that is where Xavier is vulnerable. I think their, their pass defense is, uh, you know, seeing them give up some big plays and, um, you know, uh, in that area. And, and I tell you what, this is the wrong offset that you know maybe disadvantage if you would uh it's going to be uh uh, coach o'connell i mean he's going to find a way to to dial up pressure or to make lewis central get rid of the ball quickly uh so they so they can't run those uh uh, deep patterns but then you're going to have to have uh you know those people in coverage uh, be able to make uh, one-on-one tackles. So uh, I, I think that would bode well for, for Xavier. But right now, I just uh, I just think that might be something Lewis Central wins out on and uh, gets revenge from a semifinal loss uh, a handful of years ago. And uh, I'm going to go with Lindy here, and I'm going to pick uh, Lewis Central. If you play the compare the scores thing, um, Lewis Central beat Winterset by a point, 38-37, and what, Xavier beat Winterset last week, 40-14. to 14. Uh, Does that mean anything? No, probably not, because um, these are two, I think, pretty even, equal teams. You look at the, at the games, uh, Lewis Central has given up some points, uh, 36 to Harlan, as we mentioned in the opener, and um, you know, 37 to winter set, 21 to Indianola in the last game. 
Uh, those teams, Harlan and, and Indianola in particular, had uh, the ability to throw the ball on Lewis Central. So that maybe that's where Alex Neal comes into play for Xavier. He had a really good all-around game, rushing and passing. Um, in in the semifinal win uh, over Winterset. So, boy, uh, I don't know. I just uh, gut feeling. I think Xavier finds a way to uh, to get it done, and I think it'd be kind of uh, kind of kismet in a way because I'm working on a story here. This is the 50th year of the playoffs, um, sanctioned playoffs, and then that very first year, 1972, Cedar Rapids Jefferson was your big school champ. Iowa City Regina was a runner-up. Cedar Rapids Regis was a runner-up in Class 3A. Here, 50 years later, the the uh, the successor, if you will, I guess, to Regis High School is Xavier, and here they are back in the in the uh, in a state championship team or game playing a team from out west. So they didn't get it done the first time. I think they're going to get it done this time in in a close game. But it's going to be fun, boys. I don't think there's any question it. That's going to be a pretty good high school football game uh, on Thursday night in Class 4A. So uh, both teams getting uh, what, do you, what do you say for the over under 56 and a half total points? Wow, that's a lot. Um, I'll take that, it'd be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? Holy cow, that'd be like you know, 29 28, something like that. I'll say 48. 48, all right, that's good. That's hey, either way, I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, and we are probably going to see some points scored, no question about that. So let's move to Friday. We have three games starting in Class 2A at 10 a.m. at the Dome. Southeast Valley 11-1 against West Lyon 10-2. And, and, Lindy, I think you saw Southeast Valley. And yeah. Pilch, I, I saw, saw, I saw West plenty West. of Southeast Valley. They <laughs> were good. So they walk on. Yeah, they, they – uh, you know, Wacon's a really good team, but Southeast Valley just ran through them. Uh, and then a quarterback, uh, Colson Cruz, uh, he had over 200 yards rushing, over 200 yards passing. He was tremendous. I think he had seven touchdowns total. Um, you know, they put 50 up on Wacon. You know, West Lions a really good team, really good program. I just think this is Southeast Valley's year. KJ, you saw West Lion, correct? Yes. West Lyon and Williamsburg put together probably one of the most uh, entertaining games of the semifinals as far as I'm, I'm concerned. Um, it, was, uh, it, it was one of those slugfests, really, between the two. Um, came down to overtime. Uh, Jackson Meyer uh, was a big difference maker for West Lyon, their quarterback. Does a little bit of everything. Uh, he had all three touchdowns uh, for the Wildcats in overtime. Uh, he made a key interception on Williamsburg's possession to, to start the overtime and then finished it off with a three-yard run, um, I think, for the, the winning score. Uh, he's he's very, uh, very talented, uh, strong runner, good, good rush attack. Uh, Hunter Jacobson uh, runs the ball really, really well for them. I tell you what, Williamsburg, uh, what a heck of a season that they've had. Um, you know, they started out 0-3. Uh, this is a team that uh, was 
really inspirational given the the tater tough um you know uh scenario uh, uh Tate Schaefer a lot of the players were were classmates and, and knew him uh I know Jake Weber uh their uh the receiver had over a hundred receiving um semifinal against uh West Lyon every time he uh, scored a touchdown he pointed up to uh to the sky to to honor him uh the team honored him before the fourth quarter um and and you can tell the, this was just a hard-nosed tough team that gave West Lyon everything it had and and you know just uh, came up a little bit short but i think uh you know, this is going to be a really good game. This is going to be tough. You got two good quarterbacks that uh, could lead the way. Uh, just, just think I'll go with Southeast Valley, just because. I don't know why, but just because. Uh, I'm gonna agree with you guys. I'm going with Southeast Valley, um, though I do think it's going to be a close game. And West Lions' ability to run the football and and kind of run clock is. Uh, you know, it's definitely something that probably needs to be taken into consideration a little bit here. If you were curious, folks, Southeast Valley High School is located in Gowrie. So if you're as old as, as Lindy and I are, you might remember the old Prairie Gowrie High School. That is what Southeast Valley is, but it also has um, a bunch of other former school districts in there. Uh, Burnside, Southeast Webster. What's that, Lindy? I was looking at the, the map on that district. I think there's 10 or 11 towns in that. Most of them are really, really small. Go, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. Uh, Southeast Webster. Um, that's where the middle school is, is in Burnside. Um, Box Home Grand. I don't know if you remember that one, Lindy. That was a very tiny high school. Um, Farnhamville would, would be what? Central Valley? Was that the old high school in Farnhamville? Cedar Valley, Farnhamville. Okay, and then uh, Dayton. There's an elementary school in Dayton, and uh, those who uh, who know their state basketball tournament um, uh, history, Dayton had a, a a team, really good team back in the '80s that was uh, that made it to a state championship game and lost uh, in overtime. Um, and I can't remember who beat them. Did Darwin beat them? Boy, I you know what? I don't remember because I. I some somebody put it on YouTube, believe it or not, the game uh, with with what Frosty Mitchell and Mark Zelich. Okay. And I just remember uh, kind of scrolling through that game. And I can't remember if it was Lone Tree, maybe, or somebody that, that could be that beat Dayton back in the 80s. But um, it might have been yeah. the first year that they went to four classes when Lone Tree went down from 1A to A, about 85 okay. or so. Yeah, it was right around in that. Uh, Dayton had a had a nice little run there, you know, two, three, four, five years where uh, they had really good basketball teams. So, and again, you know, we're dating ourselves and Pil Pilcher's going, you guys are so old. <laughs> you guys are so old. But anyway, so that's the Southeast Valley um, High School. It's got a bunch, of, as Jeff said, uh, a bunch of old, or a bunch of old, a uh, bunch of uh, towns in it and, and old high schools that have kind of conglomerated in into uh, Southeast Valley. There must be a valley, a Southeast Valley somewhere in no, I, I, Gallery. 
I, I just think when these schools make a new school, it's, let's just put Valley in it somewhere. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Uh, but I'm going to pick the Jaguars to, to get it done and win their first uh, state championship. So class 3A, then we got uh, a couple of undefeated teams that have looked great the entire season, including in the semifinals. Uh, One o'clock, Harlan 12-0, and Boyden Hall, Rock Valley 12-0. Uh, yeah, I don't know, boys. It just seems like we've kind of seen this one coming from just about week one, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, two really, really, really good teams. Uh, <laughs> teams that combined for 87 points in the semifinals. Wow. Right? This is supposed to be the the part of the year that's tough and you got to grind things out. Here they, uh, they outscore their opponents 87 to 19. Um, pretty <laughs> impressive. Uh, I got to see the uh, explosiveness and and uh, aggressive defense from Boyden Hall, Rock Valley. Uh, they were very uh, they were very impressive against Solon. Uh, just kind of caught them with a couple big early plays, and and really Solon was staggered and and really couldn't kind of regain their uh, their composure after that. Uh, uh, it was just hard to keep up after uh, Boyden Hall Rock Valley started started rolling. Um, Tanner uh, Tesla or Slay, however you pronounce it, uh, I guess it's Norwegian or whatever that. <laughs> Dutch. Oh, they're Dutch. They're, they're all Dutch. Dutch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, he threw. Uh, for 336 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, all of them were big plays. Um, Landon Van Kirkrick, uh, you know, uh, did it running in and catching the ball. Uh, you know, their defense was uh, pretty lights out. So uh, I, I, I like them a lot, but Harlan is Harlan. You know, um, they were dominant as well uh, Saturday night. Um, I, I just think Harlan's been my top team all year long. And uh, as much as I like Boyden Hall Rock Valley and, and their ability to make big plays on both sides of the ball, I just like uh, Harlan to come away with a title. Uh, Tegan Casper Bauer had 338 yards rushing. Harlan pulled away from a really good Humboldt team in the semifinals. That was a 14-6 game at, at halftime. Um, and, you know, Harlan pulled away for what? I think it was 42-13. No, 45-19, I beg your pardon. Uh, put up a big 21-point third quarter. So, man, this is such a tough game. And I think it's going to be a great football game. Um I don't know. I'm just going with Harlan. Uh, and I don't know why, um, because it makes sense. You know, you can make a case for both of these teams to win this game. And, uh, you know, it really is a kind of a quote unquote classic confrontation between uh, two really good programs and, and two really good teams uh, within those programs. So, Lindy, you remember uh, how the Harlan band always played Jesus Christ Superstar? 
Yes, that was always one of the highlights of state basketball. That was terrific. They they have an awesome band. Did they did they bring it to to the dome? Did they bring the band to the dome? I don't know, KJ. Were you still up there when Harlan was was playing? Uh, yeah, I was up there for a, a little bit, but I I can't remember what was being played, and you know I'm musically challenged anyway, so <laughs> I may not have recognized it unless it was Thriller. <laughs> I've also had Harlan number one in my on my ballot all year, so so I'm going to go with Boyd Hill Rock Valley. I just think I just think they're playing really well right now, and th- this might be the game that you get 50, 60 points out of from both teams combined. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, that'll uh, that'll get us to our finale um, on Friday night, seven o'clock. It's Southeast Polk and Ankeny. These teams play in the regular season. Uh, Ankeny won. These teams played in the championship game last year. Ankeny won. I guess, first of all, before we get to that game, uh, I don't know if you guys read what uh, City High coach Mitch Moore had to say after City High got, you know, pretty much lambasted by Ankeny in, in the semifinals, which fit the pattern, fits the pattern of, uh, of the suburban Des Moines uh, schools over uh, their eastern Iowa foes. Uh, Thanks to Matt Koss at the Quad City Times for figuring all this out. Five and twenty-two, uh, Eastern Iowa schools are against their Des Moines suburban counterparts in the playoffs since uh, since City High's uh, victory uh, championship game in was that 09, right, guys? Um, I think it was oh nine or ten, one of the two. I think so, it was oh nine, and then uh, Dowling started its run in twenty ten. Okay. Okay. But anyway, uh, he, uh, you know, Coach Moore had uh, a lot of kind of pointed things to say. Um, bottom line, he said, is that uh, Eastern Iowa schools need to figure out that football uh, is as important to its schools here as it is to those uh, schools in central Iowa. Um, anybody want to, you know, uh, tackle what he had to say, agree, disagree? Uh, he had a lot of other points, facilities, weight training facilities, more coaches being paid on staffs uh, as things that he felt are important if Eastern Iowa was ever going to close this gap. Agree, disagree? What do you think? Well, I, I agree to an extent, but schools only have so much money. And, you know, I'm not sure if schools over here have as much money as, as those suburban schools or not. I'm not a financial wizard but uh you know uh, it costs a lot of money to build a real nice stadium it costs a lot of money to build a really nice big weight room and you know costs a lot of money to 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 pay six or eight assistant coaches so um yeah it's it's high school football is really really important but you know as far as where that falls in the pecking order of the educational experience, I'm not sure it should be number one. Um, you know, books cost money, teachers cost money, classrooms cost money. So it, it is football is very, very important, but it's still an extra extracurricular activity. So um, whether that's you know raining on anybody's parade, you know, sorry, but, uh, you know, 
right now, Center Iowa, Central Iowa suburbia is still the hub of high school football. And, you know, whether that means teams over here need to work harder or pay more money to catch up, I guess that's not for me to decide. But uh, uh, that being said, um, I Southeast Polk just seems like a team that really kind of turns it on and off when they really need to. Um, I got a gut feeling Ankeny's going to win it again. KJ, what are your thoughts and, and what do you got for a prediction? Well, I'll just uh, mention the prediction right now. Um, I'll just go with Southeast Polk. Another one of those because picks. Just that I, I think this was the best team all year long anyway. I think they kind of played to their competition a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they look good in the semifinals. Um, I think they'll come away with a win here uh, as well. Um, as far as the other thing, one, I agree with Lindy. Um, schools that put an emphasis on athletics or more resources towards athletics than academics, uh, that's not what it's supposed to be about. Um, now we may not be talking about going that far, but, you know, uh, I don't think it's just football either. I think there, I think there's been a shift in other sports as well, you know, um, in other athletics. I mean, wrestling, I can't remember the last time a team really, really threatened for a top two or three spot uh, in wrestling, you know, now that hasn't been the case for, uh, you know, like 2A or 1A, obviously, with teams like West Delaware and Lisbon. Um, but, you know, I, you guys can correct, you know, you guys can tell me what basketball has been like. I'm not really cued in on on that. Um, but, you know, I, I think it extends beyond other sports. So, you know, if you have the resources available the, the thing that just keeps coming into my mind is, you know, there is a difference when it comes to riches of each community. And right now, there's a lot of affluence in those communities to where they can create new schools. They have these uh, athletic facilities that are college-like. You don't have that in Cedar Rapids right now, especially some of the things we faced in the last 15 years. The Cedar Rapids, you know, uh, community school district has faced uh, a lot more challenges. You know, show the flood, even, uh, you know, that's been a while now, but, you know, I don't know if Jefferson really has ever really rebounded from, from the, the way a flood displaced uh, families and and everything then you know it, it's hard to to come up with uh the monies to to pour into something like this when you know you're reeling in all other 
all other areas, uh, to be honest. You know, Kennedy has done very well. Washington has had some some moments, but there just aren't the resources. You have schools like Lindmar that maybe could uh, compete in an arms race like that. I think Prairie is is closer than the Cedar Rapids Community Schools. You've got Iowa City Liberty and, and uh, you know, I don't know about the, Cedar, the Iowa City Public Schools, but there, there is just an imbalance of resources and affluence right now that favors those sub- suburban Des Moines schools. They have the opportunity to do that. Now, the one thing I thought was interesting, JJ, that you mentioned yesterday in our meeting was the fact that some of those schools are, are starting like strength and conditioning programs, you know, in middle school and junior high. You know, one of the things I remember growing up and, and training, you know, they, they kind of, hey, don't lift too hard when you're in middle school. Because I think, uh, I think the old uh, thought was that you could actually stunt the growth of your muscles by training that. Things have completely changed and now it's okay. Uh, you know, strength and conditioning programs are a hell of a lot different now and they're a lot more advanced and they've kind of shattered maybe some of those old myths. And if the schools there are doing stuff like that in middle school, it's, it's just like, you know, uh, uh, youth football that are using the terminology and plays that the varsity does. And by the time they're freshmen, they can step in and, and bam, you're that far ahead. Same thing with strength and conditioning. If those schools are doing it, because you've seen their weight rooms, you've seen Urbandales, uh, that's fantastic, Valley, uh, you know, Northwest Waukee. If, that, if, if they're able to do that, that might be a big difference as well. And that's one thing that you can probably control. That's probably one thing that you can institute to make a difference and kind of catch up. Because... I will say this, and you guys can disagree with me all you want from the athletes that you've seen. I'm telling you, there have been some athletes from Central Iowa that it's like night and day compared to an Eastern Iowa counterpart. You know, I've seen it. I've seen it in, in softball sometimes, where you're looking at somebody and you're like, "Oh my gosh, they're the same age as this freshman." <laughs> it doesn't look like it. You know. Um, Tell me what you guys think. You, you guys both grew up in the Cedar Rapids school system. Um, I did not. Um, and you talk about terminology and stuff like that. What would you think of kind of redoing the middle schools so that, you know, let's, let's take Franklin, for example. Half those kids go, well, probably more than half, I suppose, maybe 70% go to Wash, 30 to Kennedy. What if each high school had two feeder middle schools. These two middle schools are going to go to Kennedy, these two to Jeff, these two to Wash. Would that help or is that irrelevant? Boy, I I think it could help. And I'm not, but I'm also not sure it would be necessary if that, does that make any sense at all? I think it would help. I don't think you would, necessarily need it but yeah I'm kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth on 
on that one. Yeah. I think, I don't know, my two cents, I think weight training um, and that part of it is huge. And I, I don't see the Cedar Rapids schools outside, you know, and, and, and I have to be honest, I don't know uh, uh, what Limar has. Prairie's got a really nice new weight training facility um, that, you know, is reminiscent of, of like what KJ said, what they have like Urbandale and what they have at some of these uh, schools that we're speaking of in central Iowa. I know like a Kennedy, a Washington uh, does not have stuff like that. Um, and to me, that's, that's kind of the genesis of this whole thing. I don't, I don't know guys. It's, you know, to, to be able to work out and, you know, they say it always comes, always comes down to Jimmy's and Joe's, but you know, um, if they're Jimmy's and Joe's are, you know, physically bigger and better and faster and stronger than, you know, your Jimmy's and Joe's, you're not going to win. Right. So I don't know. Yeah, uh, I don't know either. We're, we're sitting here talking about, you know, how, middle school and junior high uh, strength and conditioning programs, you know, might benefit them, that they're that far ahead of the curve when they do get to be freshmen. But then it circles back to, okay, what facilities do you have at Franklin and McKinley? You know, what do you, what do you have at Franklin and Harding? Or what do you have at Roosevelt and Wilson to be able to institute those uh new strength and conditioning programs for kids through, you know, performance PE, right? They may not have those resources to be able to implement that stuff. So, and you know, at some of these, at the, at, in central Iowa suburbia, you know, those feeder schools, I mean, I would think that a middle school kid from Johnston could probably go to the high school and lift, maybe. And because it's the same school system. So maybe, maybe that's an advantage. So I don't know. I, I, I don't have the answers to that. I, I, just, I just. You know, I could, I, my personal experience right now, uh, when the girls were in eighth grade, I believe, in, in spring of their eighth grade year, when they would have been eligible for varsity softball in the summer. That's when they began going to Xavier to lift. Before that, the uh, what they did was they went to uh, summer lifting camps at Jefferson uh, with Matt Orton, who is exceptional. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. He's one of the tops in his uh, field. Um, and uh, now that they're in high school, along with a lot of other classmates and people from other schools, they're going to uh, a different performance center uh, to get that specialized training. A hell of a lot different if you're able to get it in-house through your uh, you know, physical education. When you're doing that as part of you know, class and, and wellness and fitness, through, uh, you know, the academic curriculum. It's, it's going to reach a lot more people. It's going to be more inclusive because, you know, kids that may not be able to afford to go and, and go to these performance places and, and get that extra training will be able to have it 
you know, in house, and I think that makes it, I think that makes a difference. And if the suburban school, suburban schools in Des Moines, West Des Moines, are able to do that, that's going to put them ahead. It just is, and that's you know. But again, how how do the Eastern Iowa counterparts, you know, pull that in and, and make up that ground and be able to do something like that? It, or and, you know, it comes down also is it what their their vision and mission is right now you know are they more worried about you know the academic side and the stuff is pushed off to the side i i, I don't know. i think you know those schools out there if they don't if they're not excellent they can't compete they're going to get buried by the other ones you know if if urbandale is simply good at something and they've got to go against Johnson, Southeast Polk and Valley and Dowling and Ankeny and Centennial and Waukee and all them. They just can't compete. And over here, I, I just there's just not the depth of schools and the competition. You know, you can be good and be seven and two over there, over here. And if you're good over there, you're going to be three and six. We saw in the regular season, um, you know, a couple of big wins from Eastern Iowa teams against, you know, the Des Moines suburban schools. Um, and we kind of wondered, all right, well, is that is this the shift that we've all kind of been waiting for to a little more parity here? And it's obvious that, no, it wasn't the shift. And I don't know, bottom line, I don't see anybody in Iowa City or Cedar Rapids building a $20 million football stadium slash uh, wellness uh, center like Southeast Polk is anytime soon. So um, I don't see this changing. I really don't anytime, anytime soon, um, you know, and you all can, everybody can debate if that's good or bad. Um, but I mean, it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is right now. And I had a nice talk with my boy bingo uh, <laughs> about Southeast Polk and Ankeny. And uh, he says Ankeny's going to win. So that's my pick. Um, I don't know why. And, and I mean, if you looked at their roster guys and, and the guys who are starting, the quarterback, J.J. Cole, is a big-time D1 uh, prospect, junior. Um, I think they start three sophomores on the offensive line, um, another couple on the defensive line. So they, they're not going anywhere. And – you know darn well, like in Southeast Pole, uh, they're not going anywhere. The Proctor kid, the five-star offensive lineman, he's coming back next year. Um, you know, Valley's always going to have 2,300 kids to fill out a program, and Dowling's going to be Dowling, and, you know, the two Waukee schools are going to be the Waukee schools, and Irvindale's going to be Irvindale. So, um, I don't know. It is what it is. Uh, I'm going with Waukee. Who did you guys say was going to win? You're going with Ankeny, you said? Ankeny, Ankeny, I'm sorry. Ankeny. I think I went Ankeny and KJ went Southeast Pole. Okay. That is true. All right. Uh, anything else you want to add? Or Since we, we're out of – this is it for the – Yeah, well, one last thing. Let, let's just play, you know, what, what did we – or collectively or individually, what did we get right? What did we get wrong as far as – how I looked at the season going into the season. I was kind of looking back at my preseason rankings. Um, I, had, I did a lot of things. I think I got a lot right. I got 
got some things wrong though too. Um, uh, I wasn't nearly high enough on Xavier. I wasn't nearly high enough on Regina. Um, I'm just trying to think who else I underrated. Coach Alden um, wanted me to remind you that you picked East Buchanan like fifth in the district. So yeah, I did. I I, I, I did. I'm just kind of looking back at that stuff, that stuff now. And, and thanks for reminding me, Coach Alden. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, let's see. Where, where are my class A? No, I had. I actually had them six out of seven. So yeah, I, I, I botched that up. Um, I picked Bellevue to win that district. So yeah. I, it shows you what I don't know. Um, we didn't know that they had two guys that were no. uh, so important that, you know, didn't play last year and we're going to play this year. So, yeah. Um, I had Kingsley Pearson ranked number two in, in eight man to start the year. Uh, just kind of looking through here. How about you guys? What'd you, what'd you get right? What'd you screw up? Well, just kind of looking at my preseason rankings, um, two of my top three teams in Class A were Logan Magnolia and Council Bluff St. Albert. So I think that might be a little bit of a, a swing and a miss there. I I definitely missed the boat on uh, East Buchanan uh, and North Lynn. Um, you know, both of those teams uh, had great seasons. Uh, I did have Lisbon pretty high up in my early rankings and Bell Plain in there, but uh, I certainly missed East Buck and Northland um, doing what they did this season. Um, you know, I had Central Lion as my top team to, uh, to come out of things. I mean, here, you guys can get a good laugh out of this. Here are my top five preseason rankings in 2A. Uh, Central Lion, West Marshall, Wacon, PCM, and Dubuque Wallert. And uh, only one of those teams uh, seemed to make it to the dome with Wacon. Um, you know, I had Solon second. You know, I heard a lot about uh, us versus everyone from Solon. Um, you know, that nobody picked them to be where they were at. My preseason rankings, I had them at second. And I know they're a third. Um, they were ranked third entering the postseason, so I'm not sure where, where that kind of came from. But I had I had them second behind Harlan, uh, and actually right in between uh, Harlan and Boyden Hall Rock Valley. And then I think the thing that surprised everybody was North Scott taking the uh, the early L in the postseason. But North Scott and Lewis Central were my top two teams in in 4A. Um, maybe I had Xavier a little low, but they were still at fourth. Uh, lower than most everybody else did. I, I wasn't very high on them at all starting the season. So if they want to, if they want to say us against Linder, that's fine. <laughs> if it was them against me, they would win. I undervalued Lindmar. Be the first to admit. Um, yep, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in your, I'll jump in your uh, sidecar on that one too. Yeah, I, I did a great time. Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. You know, uh, that that's the one where if City High wants to kick me around, they can because I deserve it. I, it took me a while to really jump on board. Uh, City High, and it turns out they they were the best team in the area. 
in 4A, 5A, sorry, 5A. Yeah, I was, the schedule they played was not strong. Um, so you always kind of wondered uh, how legit, you know, City High really was. But yeah, they were terrific, uh, terrific football team. The, you know, the best round here. Uh, proved it with the big win over Kennedy. Um, kind of overvalued Washington, you know, thinking to drop from 5A or, you know, the biggest class to the next biggest class was would be a huge boom, right? And I think boom. we had them at three or four to start the season in 4A. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of good football in 4A, boys. And they were in a very, very good district. Uh, no question about that. Yeah, so. I had them at eighth, but they're also the third team in that district that I had listed because I had Xavier at fourth, Pella at seventh, uh, and then Washington. So really tough district, but yeah. Clear Creek and Mana. Uh, that was another team that wasn't bad. Yeah. Um, you know, these predictions, man, we, we just show what, we're, what we don't know. So I don't know why we keep doing it. <laughs> That's, yeah, right. Well, it's for other people to – to enjoy and talk amongst themselves. Oh, Beckman. Beckman was another one uh, that it took a, a little while for, for me to catch on. You know. All right. Shall we call it a call it a season? Um, you know, if you're going up to Cedar Falls tomorrow or Friday, uh, safe travels. KJ and I'll be one, yeah. one quick thing. Yeah. One quick thing that I wanted to ask both of you. The extra class. Uh, just a sentence or two on how you how you thought that all played out. Like it. Lindy? Uh, not as big a fan. Um, I, I like the smaller numbers in 5A. I like that they're down to 36. I might even go to 32. Um, I don't know if I'm a fan of 36 and 4A and 3A. You know, I think maybe we could get – I think we could jump that to 48 and sweet – Squeeze one class away, but uh, it's fine. Um, I don't hate it. I don't love it. But uh, you know, I, I think I think the association's trying to get more equitable, um, you know, equitable classes. If they want to, you know, maybe they, they need to consider, you know, the, the free and reduced lunch, even if it's just for the big school class, because. Schools, still some schools in that class that shouldn't be there, um, you know. And you know, after what we're saying, maybe maybe that class should just be eight or ten schools from Central Iowa. I don't know. And you know, I'm kidding, kind of, but not totally. So um, it, it it's fine. Um, I think the not doing the same playoff, um, you know, having eight, eight games for the smaller classes and nine for the bigger. I, I didn't mind that. I think an eight-game regular season for, for two on down and getting 32 teams in, I think that was fine. Um, but, you know, how, how do you guys feel? You, you, I mean, and those, those teams didn't make the playoffs could still play uh, a week nine game against similar clubs, and I thought that was great because a lot of them took advantage of that. Uh, you know, put that, you know, uh, okay, our regular season is over per se. We didn't make the playoffs, but we're still going to play one more game against somebody that's very similar to us as far as ability and, and things like that. So I like that part of it. So I like that they're trying to find the perfect 
formula here and that they're amenable to it. <laughs> Flexibility, right, guys? Maybe? I don't know. So, uh, and I'm going to throw this out here and, you know, uh, we won't talk about it necessarily, but um, don't be surprised if someday that you don't see the semifinals in the Uni Dome, and that's all I'm going to say. So, I've heard that as well. Yeah. Um, it's not cheap. Correct. 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 And games in the Uni Dome in the semifinals. Maybe uh, Drake Stadium, Jeff. Get a hold of your alma mater, man. Some of my at Drake Stadium. I, I've heard. I've heard there's a possibility that they might, you know, do double headers at, at bigger stadiums at Kingston, at Drake, at you know, at some of those other places. And you know, it sounds like there's there's some ideas on the table. And uh, uh, we'll see. It's always an evolving thing. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Anybody with any other closing thoughts? Good podcast, boys. Good podcast. You guys both going to the Dome on Thursday, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for Xavier. And I'm working on a, a story here that uh, hopefully I'll get written soon <laughs> on, uh, on the 1972 finals and specifically Regis as it plays into Xavier being in the finals here 50 years later. So, yeah, KJ and I will both be up there, and uh, he's going to do all the heavy lifting with the game story and everything. I'm just going to kind of sit back and and uh, taunt him. So I need a Panchero's burrito. Oh, there we go. There we go. Nathan Neck, man. He was very, qu very quiet this season. We, we let him out of his little cage there once, and he we couldn't get him to stop talking. He was so good, so – but anyway, Jeff, KJ, thank you. Nathan, thank you. Folks, thank you for watching us. Uh, it was a fun season. It went by quick. Winter sports is, are here. Um, thanks for watching and uh, prep huddle, prep football podcast. And one last time this season, KJ, take us out. Yeah, say also watch for our all-area teams, coach and player of the year in early December. And remember, keep your head on swimming.